Hello, I'm Marie Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is the beneficial role of mediation in schools. My guest is Sas Otto, accredited mediator from Stellenbosch. Welcome, Sas. Thank you. After our conversation, Sas will give us his three top tips for learners, and then it will be fun question time. Sas, please tell us how you came to be involved in mediation. Uh, Mariette, I was a teacher. I spent the last 15 years of my career at Hottentots Holland High School in Somerset West, where I was assigned the responsibility of head of the school's disciplinary system. This entailed the implementation and application of the school's code of conduct for learners, also staff development programs on discipline, interviews with parents, conflict resolution and disciplinary hearings by the school governing body in cases of serious misconduct. The South African Schools Act, Act 84 of 1996, and its bylaws required a new approach to discipline in schools. I had to study these laws and then start to make adjustments to the existing code of conduct. A very important feature of the new approach is the strong emphasis on what is called the Audi et alterum partem rule. That means here the other party. This principle is non-negotiable in all investigations and hearings. It also creates space for the principles of restorative justice. And this is where mediation becomes relevant. In retrospect, I now realize that over the years I did mediation many a time without knowing it. Some four years ago, a friend who is a lawyer, after listening to my stories about discipline in schools, advised me to be trained as a mediator. He introduced me to Mr. Laurie Gravenstein from the Social Justice Foundation. And shortly after that, I had my training and became an accredited mediator. Yeah, I must say, Sas, I never realized that mediation could be used in schools. But as you explained, it has been happening there, in fact. Uh, could you tell us more about mediation in schools? Mediation is actually incorporated, implemented or at work in any well-organized school because the principles and objectives of mediation are integrated and interlinked with basic educational principles and approaches. Many teachers practice principles of mediation, but they are unaware of it. And it is this lack of awareness of the meaning and value of mediation which must be addressed. It would add considerable value if it were more visible prevalent and structured in a school system. We must remember, as in any other organization, where large groups of people are forced to work together, face one another daily, and learn to know one another. A school consists of people of different ages, 
responsibilities and backgrounds. It is a complex, sometimes difficult setup where the actions of individuals are determined or influenced by other individuals. Differences in talents and abilities and competition as part of the educational process add heavily to the complexity of relationships in a school. It is obvious that from such an interactive conglomerate of people and interpersonal relationships, mischief, tension, conflict, confrontation, abuse, violence, bullying, peer pressure, less serious misconduct and also serious misconduct will evolve. We must also understand, in a school, each individual is part of a whole, a totality, and this totality is one big living organism. For this organism to maintain itself and to be successful in its mission, there are certain prerequisites and unavoidable realities. And it is in with, within the context of these prerequisites and realities that mediation can become a meaningful structure to contribute to an optimal functioning school. As part or in addition to the school's code of conduct for learners, the school can develop a policy with guidelines, principles, and procedures for mediation. Sasa, how would you define mediation? Maria, it is actually difficult to define mediation because it is diverse. It has many angles and there are many perspectives to and perceptions of the process. Actually, it still has to develop a coherent theoretical basis. But in its simplest form, mediation is interactive communication between two parties who are in conflict with one another regarding certain issues with the intent to reach an agreement how to deal with the issues if not settled. The parties are assisted by the th third person, whom we call the mediator, who acts as a catalyst to facilitate and support the process of decision-making, to reach an outcome which will be acceptable to the parties involved. And what are the principles of mediation? The principles are voluntariness, confidentiality, independency, empowerment, uniqueness, neutrality and impartiality of the mediator, equality of the parties and cooperation between the parties. In the mediation process, the mediator must conduct mediation in a manner that promotes diligence, timelines, safety, the presence of the appropriate participants, party participants, procedural fairness, party competency and mutual respect among all parties. Yeah, that is quite a mouthful. Could you please tell us about the benefits of mediation? Parties who negotiate their own settlements have more control over the outcome of their dispute which means parties have an equal say in the process. There is no determination of fault 
but rather the parties reach a mutually agreeable resolution to their conflict. Because the result is attained by the parties working together and is mutually agreeable, compliance with the mediated agreement is usually high. As a neutral facilitator, the mediator can help the parties to think outside the box for possible solutions to the dispute, and in this way broaden their range of possible solutions. Thank you, Sus. Now we're coming to schools. Under which circumstances is mediation used in schools? Against the background of what I previously said about the school setup, when conflict, especially serious conflict, between parties cannot be resolved by themselves, and it becomes an ongoing matter, then mediation is the answer. Conflict is an everyday phenomenon in life, and as such also in schools. Well-structured mediation can help learners understand that conflict is natural, necessary, and educational. It can effectively address conflict as a result of peer pressure and bullying. And mediation is not limited to problem-solving within schools. It can be a vehicle in education. Mediation can also be implemented in a proactive manner. Learners, under the guidance of educators, can come together in a circle to discuss a variety of school-related matters, which can include conflict resolution. Some minor transgressions by learners or disobedience to the code of conduct can be addressed or handled with mediation principles or even the full process. Serious misconduct as defined by the law is another matter. Serious misconduct may include assault, theft, arson, or malicious damage damage to property, amongst others. Such cases are usually referred to the school governing body which has to conduct a disciplinary hearing. Although the hearing may contain some features of mediation, the latter cannot be an alternative. However, if a learner prefers to plead guilty at the disciplinary hearing and the procedure for plea bargaining is followed, then some principles of mediation be applied if expulsion is not considered as an option. Now, which parties can be involved during the process of mediation? The parties include the, the National Department of Education, as they call it, the Department of Basic Education. So on national level, also on provincial level. The district can be involved. The circuit can be involved. Then the school management, the principal, deputies and heads of department may be involved. Educators could be involved. The school governing body parents, learners, the support staff can be involved, and also members of the community. It all depends on what exactly the conflict is. Um, And it also depends who was involved in what and what the nature and severity of the problem needed to be resolved by mediation is. Now, if there's a need for mediation, who can provide mediation services in a school? The provincial departments of education have officials for conflict resolution at schools. 
to what extent they are trained to do mediation, I do not know. But what we do know is sometimes in incidents where trauma is involved, then the department would send people out for counseling. That could include mediation as well. But to what extent the people are trained to do mediation, I do not know. The Social Justice Foundation has trained mediators to address conflict in schools. They are also specifically trained in restorative justice. And maybe I must just quickly say something about restorative justice, if you will allow me. Please. Restorative justice is a theory of justice that relies on reconciliation rather than punishment. It emphasizes repairing the harm caused by criminal behavior. It is best accomplished through cooperative processes that allow all winning stakeholders to meet. For this to happen, offenders must accept responsibility for the fact that their behavior has caused harm to the victim. And the victim must be prepared to negotiate and accept restitution or compensation for the offender's wrongdoing. In essence, restorative justice aims, as far as possible, to put right the wrong. It is based on the idea that we are all connected, that crime is a violation of relationships, and that such violations create obligations. And this can lead to the transformation of people, relationships, and communities. I can also say that it is a theory that emphasizes meaningful deliberation in which the focus is on agreement rather than punishment. As such, it is correctional, supportive, and healing, and a sign of hope and direction for the future. Restorative justice and mediation are very much interlinked. That's why I mentioned it. I must say, you, you mentioned the word hopeful. It indeed sounds very positive and hopeful. I'd like to ask you, who can request mediation? In a school setup, anyone who experiences unresolved conflict may approach the school management with a request for support, and it can take the form of mediation. If the school has a policy for mediation, the process might be easy and smooth. What is the duration of mediation? Well, this depends on the seriousness of the issue and the intensity of the conflict. It also depends on how long it takes to reach a settlement. And if no settlement is reached, how the parties will then deal with it, if at all. Sus, what are the costs involved in this process? Mediators determine their own fees, and parties must agree to these before they sign an agreement for mediation. In the case of a school, this will be arranged between the management and the, the mediator, if it is a person from outside. Where can reliable mediators be found? I am well acquainted with the Social Justice Foundation. Unfortunately, I'm not very well acquainted with any of the others. But what I do know is that the Social Justice Foundation has a panel of mediators 
who specialize in various fields. The foundation will be able to provide more information in this regard. Now, because of my training and experience, I mainly focus on schools. And where can listeners find more information on your work? I have a web website. Just Google my name, Sas Otu, and you will be able to read everything you need to know. Yes, I'll also attach the link to your website and the link to the social justice website to the podcast. Okay. Now, can you give us a practical example of how one can approach a mediation session? Now, prior to the mediation session, the mediator will attend to logistic matters, uh, for example, seating arrangements, the availability of water, and ablution facilities, provision of sanitizer, social distancing, and the wearing of masks under present circumstances. Cell phones must be switched off. And then at the start of, of the mediation session, the role players will introduce themselves to the mediator. The mediator must explain to the parties that it was their choice to use mediation as a vehicle to resolve the conflicts they are experiencing. After confirming their resolve to mediate, the parties must sign an agreement to commence mediation. The mediator then will give a definition of mediation. The nature and objectives of the process are then outlined. And it is of extreme importance that the parties understand the role of the mediator, who must first clarify what a mediator is not. A mediator is not a counselor. Is not a psychologist or a social worker. And most important of all, a mediator is not a judge. A judge takes sides, the mediator does not. A mediator should remain neutral and impartial throughout the process and must try to be objective and fair. This is obligatory. A mediator is little more than a catalyst to effective communication between parties, ensuring that each party has sufficient opportunity to speak freely and openly. This is imperative, as the more information there is on the table, the better the chances of reaching a settlement. A mediator must ensure that everybody understands precisely what is conveyed. Semantics or choice of words are very important components in any communication. The mediator, therefore, will sometimes intervene and repeat what the parties have said to each other, using synonyms or even antonyms. The parties must be guided to understand each other correctly. There is no space for misunderstandings or assumptions in mediation. The process is not strictly formal as such but definitely requires some structure. The process of communication must stay on course while moving in the right direction. For this to happen, each party must be allowed to speak without any interruption, even if something disputable is said. And to ensure the success of the proceedings, the parties need to agree to some ground rules. As already mentioned, there is to be no interruption they must commit themselves to the process. Self-control and treating one another with respect must be exercised. 
Focus must remain on the issues on the table for discussion and not deviate to matters irrelevant to the issue or which confuse the issue. What is discussed is confidential. The signed agreement to mediate includes a commitment to confidentiality. Nothing which is said in the venue may be revealed outside of it. In fact, what is said during the session will not be admissible to other forms of dispute resolution, also not for litigation. The mediator may at any stage during the process adjourn the meeting to have separate meetings with each party. Such meetings will also be confidential unless the mediator is allowed to reveal all or part of it to the other party. But even then, the mediator will use his discretion. Now then, after all of this has been explained, then the mediator will say to the parties, the referring party followed by the responding party will then have the opportunity to explain what the issues are that brought them to the meeting. And from that point onwards, discussions will follow. Deliberation will be done eventually to reach some form of agreement. I'm wondering, Sus, if one of the parties is underage. For, for instance, it's a secondary school learner. Does he or she have to be accompanied by a parent? The learner may be accompanied by the parent. This very often happens. Um, I had such cases. But it can also be a matter which is not that serious and then the presence of the parent is not really necessary, especially if the parent is informed prior to the mediation and the parent has given his or her consent, then, then it's not a necessity. But the parent must know about it, at least. Thank you, Sus. And talking about learners, you have three top tips for learners. Well, from everything that I've set up to now, you will understand that mediation in schools is mostly conducted to solve disciplinary problems. What I want to say to the learners is this. As such, at its best, it still remains an unpleasant experience, no matter how well and smoothly it is conducted. And with this in mind, I wish to make a plea to learners. Do not just obey the rules of the school as set out in the code of conduct. Actually live those rules. Because if you do this, you will automatically appreciate, value and respect your teachers. You will never again in your life be surrounded by a group of people who care for and about you as much as they do. Because once out of school, in adult life, you may very often experience the opposite. You know, I never thought about it like that. And now it's my turn. May I ask you a lighter question? Yes, you may. Sus, when I look at your work in the field of education, it seems to me that transformation is very important to you. It is. Thinking of transformation, can you think of a plant or an animal that is a striking representation of transformation? 
a plant or an animal, you say. Yes. Well, I would, <clears throat> I would like to think of my dog. Yeah. <laughs> which is a little Dutchman. And the interesting thing about him is that he is, although he's a thoroughbred, he was a pickup from the street. And I observed he was very much maltreated. He had a lot of trauma before we got him. And I remember how afraid he was. And this is about seven years ago. And if I compare him to what he was seven years ago, like and look what he is like today, there was a major change. There was a complete transformation for the better. Yeah, I can't help thinking of, after what you've explained, that restorative justice and mediation can have the same effect not only on individuals, but we hope on larger structures. Yes, you, you see, um, people tend to think when something goes wrong or somebody uh, commits some kind of an offense, revenge is the first thing that goes through their mind. But what happens afterwards when revenge has been done? What do you want to achieve? Do you just focus on revenge or would you prefer that even after a very unpleasant occurrence or event, that what happens then, afterwards, everybody will walk out of that situation with the, with the feeling that we've learned something and we are now better people. Thank you, Sus. You opened a whole new world to me, specifically regarding schools. Thank you for clarifying the topic of mediation. It's my pleasure and thank you for allowing me to be part of this interview. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If you found this helpful, please share it with someone you care about. If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, marietsneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneyman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.